Hi, everyone. This is Serena Sun, founder and director of Breaking Taboo. Thank you for joining in on our audio video podcast. Today, I'm sitting here with Michelle Hammer, who has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. And she actually has an interesting life where she goes around New York. So if you live in New York City, you might have seen her. But she talks about her mental health clothing line in an effort to bring about more awareness to mental health and schizophrenia. So hi, Michelle, thank you so much for joining in today. How are you doing today? Hi, how are you? I, I'm, I'm good. I'm just living the life, the quarantine life of New York City, which is getting weirder every day. Things are opening, things are closing. Who knows? We're all going to be eating dinner in bubbles soon. You know, who really knows? <laughs> yeah. know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. What's New York City been like during quarantine? I mean, things are pretty much open. Um, a lot of things are open, right? Outdoors? A lot of things are open. Um, you can now eat dinner in the street. It seems like also open container laws have gone away and you can just drink all over the place now. It's it's oh. interesting, you know? So, interesting. Wow. <laughs> cool. The police are, are doing bigger things. The police have bigger, way bigger stuff to deal with than just the people just drinking for no reason. They're bored. Everyone's bored. Why not? You know? Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it works for Vegas. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, Michelle, so today you're here to chat a little bit about your experiences a little bit, a lot, maybe a lot. I'd like there to be a lot. I like to just get fully deep into it. You know, there's nothing taboo with breaking taboo. Haha. <laughs> so, um, so let's break some taboos around uh, schizophrenia or your diagnosis and mental health. First of all, just tell me, you know, take us to the beginning. Like, when did you start to notice some of your symptoms? Did you, did somebody else point it out to you? Did you, you know, how did you first start noticing it? Like what basically led you to your first experiences with, um, you know, getting treatment or getting help with your mental health? Okay. Well, um, I guess like all through high school, I was very paranoid and I, I was what do you mean by that? <laughs> just paranoid. I thought everybody had it out for me. I thought my mother was trying to hurt me, but she knew something was up. You know, she tried to bring me to like therapists and everything, but I pretty much gave them like just completely stone face. I wouldn't talk to them. I believe everyone who was trying to help me was actually trying to hurt me, but I now realize that was paranoia. So I go to college and I believe like, you know, I'm free of everybody. I can do my own thing. No one's going to harass me anymore. And I'm thinking I'm fine. And then one day, all of those paranoid voices that I had about my mother, I started mm -hmm. having them about my roommate. And then I was like, why would my roommate be thinking, doing these things that doesn't make any sense? And that's when I realized, oh, it's me. I'm the one with the problem. I do have a problem. I have these paranoid thoughts that I had in the past, but now I'm putting them on someone else. And now I realize that those thoughts don't make any sense anymore. And that's when I realized there was a problem. Mm, and that's before you got any type of treatment or medication is yes. you realize it yourself. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. So first of all, um, talk about paranoia. What does that look like for you uh, back when you were experiencing thoughts of your mother or your roommate trying to hurt you? What were those thoughts? What literally were they telling you? What did you think were going to happen? Basically just thinking like, 
why is that over there? Did they put that over there just to mess with me? Are they trying to hurt me by doing that? Who's on the phone? Are they talking on the phone about me? Who are they hanging up with? Do they hang up just because I came in the room and they don't want me to be on the phone? Why is, why is everyone doing this? Why is she doing that there? Is she doing like, just believing that people are doing things on purpose mm-hmm. to hurt me when okay. really they have nothing to do with me at all. But, and also just believing like, just, just, just everyone, everyone is just, just thinking and like thought broadcasting, like everyone can read my mind when really nobody can. Mm. Mm-hmm. Things, things like that. So when you talk about hearing voices, are there actual words? Do they actually talk to you or no? Is it different? Um, I kind of think of it as very intense, intrusive thoughts. And that's when it becomes a problem. It's really, you know, everybody says, oh, you know, I, I, I talk to myself. Oh, I think things that's like, fine, whatever. It's when they become intrusive and get in your way of living a good life is when it becomes a problem. And when I'm hearing things like, you're so stupid, you can't do this, everybody hates you, don't even get out of bed, everything you say is so dumb, don't even speak, don't even do anything, just leave, get out of here, you know, that's when it becomes a problem, because that's when you don't want to live anymore, when you believe that your life is a complete sham and worthless and not worth anything, that's when the thoughts are not good, that's when they're intrusive, that's when they're not positive, and they're not going to bring a good time. Mm-hmm. But do these thoughts like sound like somebody else or are they like, do you know that it's you thinking it? Because I think that's a major difference that because uh, schizophrenia obviously comes out in different ways for everyone. And then even sometimes people with bipolar uh, with the delusions or hearing voices, they, you know, they experience um, similar things as well. Although it's not schizophrenia, it's different. But my point is, sometimes people when they talk about hearing voices, they literally mean like they hear other people talking to them and it seems like it's coming from an external force and coming in and talking to them how do you experience it is that what you experience or is it more like you know it's coming from you and you're telling yourself this stuff but you it's, still believe it it's kind of different when I what I do is that I kind of disassociate from reality and think I'm somewhere else with other people talking to different people Oh, tell me about that. What do you mean? It's just, I just like, I can just be sitting and listening to you right now. And then all of a sudden I just look up at nowhere and then I might just think something else. And then you might look at me and I'm either laughing or my mouth's moving, or I look like I'm having a conversation with somebody and then it won't stop until somebody just goes, Hey, who are you talking to? And I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up? And they're Uh like, what were you talking about? I'm like, Oh, I was just, you know, just, just nothing, nothing in the room. I wasn't talking to anyone that was here. No. Oh, so when when that happens, you're not when you're looking up and your mouth is moving, you're not actually talking to someone or you are? Well, I'm not talking to anyone that's in the room, talking to someone in my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you know it's someone in your head at the time or usually not? Um, At the time, I'm just completely out of it. But after that, I I know that it's not real. But I'm also on medication now. Years ago, if that happened, I would start believing that those scenarios Mm -hmm. actually did happen. And if I was extremely paranoid, it would be very paranoid scenarios where I believed that all these really horrible things actually did happen. Or maybe I said these things and put myself in really embarrassing situations and believe that all of it was true when none of it actually did happen. But now I do, I can pretty much realize that never happened, that never happened, that never happened, things like that. How do you um, realize that for yourself? What is real and what is not real? How are you able to differentiate now? Well, I know that when I get the feeling of deja vu, that is not real. 
I know that feeling in me is just completely fake because that happens a lot. And I know that it, it, things did not happen to me. That's just, I know that feeling is fake. And I, sometimes things just don't make any sense. Like a conversation that I'm thinking happened, that doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. But also things that have just gone over my head that won't go away. I'll call a friend and I'll say like, hey, remember when we were here at that time? Did this happen? And they'll say either yes or no. And 95% of the time it's no, that never happened. What are you talking about? Okay. Okay. So it's good. You yeah. have your, your friend support and other people and telling you like reaffirming and letting you know what, what is, yeah, you have a good support system. It sounds like, right? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Cool. Awesome. Um, so, okay. So you, you spoke about in college, um, you finally realized without any medication, or any treatment that, um, that the thoughts that you were having were not real because it had repeated itself. So you were able to recognize the fact that, okay, I've had these thoughts before and now they're happening again, but with somebody totally different, this must not be real. What did that realization feel like? It's like a challenging thing, you know, to realize how did you cope with it? Like, what was it like for you? I, 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 I don't know. I just, just knew that I just kind of realized something was up and I guess it did make sense. So I, I just called the school health center for an appointment mm -hmm. and I went to an appointment. I didn't know what to say. They went through a checklist and they're like, okay, so you're bipolar. Here's a pamphlet, make an appointment with the psychiatrist. Okay. Made an appointment with the psychiatrist here, take these meds. Okay. The next week I went, Oh, I gave you a prescription. Yeah, you did. Oh, really? How do you feel? Um, okay. I guess, you know, it was, Interesting. The, wor the worst medical treatment ever, pretty much. Oh, wow. Interesting. And this was at your school, at your university yeah. or college. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I mean, a lot of um, counselors are, I don't know, they have so many students, way too many students, not enough counselors, not enough time, I think. And yeah, I'm unfortunate that that does, you know, happen mm -hmm. sometimes. Um, so you were diagnosed with bipolar first. I was at 18. Yes. At 18. That's okay. pretty much, pretty much. I feel like everyone gets diagnosed with bipolar. That's Why? what I always think. I, I, it's like the easiest diagnosis to get. Oh, are you happy sometimes? Do you spend a lot of money? Do you get really excited? Do you run around all over the place? Do you ever try to speed? Do you ever try to do things really quickly? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that, that you're having that. Okay, so when you're upset, do you get really upset? Do you cry? You're in your bed, you don't know what to do. Ask every college student if they've ever wanted to cry in their bed hello, mm -hmm. or they've been really, really happy and maybe spent too much money. I think you've just described almost every college student that there is. Right. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> That's what I feel like with a lot of diagnoses uh, uh, actually is, is like, you know, how do you, I mean, sometimes I feel like things are overdiagnosed even because it's like, like people, how do you know? It's not just like people being people, people being human, being totally normal. You know, where is that line where it becomes normal or not functioning or abnormal or whatever? Do you know what I mean? And that's, I feel like that's a, a very rhetorical question for the field of psychology or maybe the medical field in general, right? Is like, when do you know to diagnose someone with something? And perhaps, of course, a question for, for a psychologist or a therapist. So you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder for how long? How, how many years? For about four years. Okay. And were you seeing a therapist um, as well as taking your meds at the time? No. Um, eventually, I changed to a different psychiatrist who put me on different meds, which worked better. I just had to take them three times a day, which was difficult because it would kind of go like up, down, up, down, up, down. 
But that whole time I was told I was bipolar. And then after college, I went off those meds because that doctor was at school. And I told my mom, like, you know, I need to see a new psychiatrist. And I eventually did. And I was more open and honest. And he diagnosed me with schizophrenia. And at first I was really bummed out. So I had dinner with my, like, my three roommates from college who lived with me for like four years. And mm-hmm. we're, we're sitting around the table. And I'm like, guys, I got something to tell you. I found that I have schizophrenia. And seriously, the conversation went like this. I turned to the right. And she, I'm like, my friend Kate goes, um, isn't that what you had the whole time? My friend goes, that could have not been more obvious. And my other friend goes, yeah, we told you that. Hmm. So, okay. Everybody <laughs> knew but me. So I guess I was almost like self-stigmatizing myself because I kept going, oh, no, no, no. I'm bipolar. I'm not schizophrenic. No, no, no. Because my friend was like, we told you. And I'm like, I must have been like, no, 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 no. But yeah. Interesting. <laughs> so why were you running away from uh, from that di- diagnosis? Like, why, why were you stigmatizing it? Well, I mean, I feel like schizophrenia is one of the most stigmatized diagnoses you could possibly have. You think schizophrenia, you also you automatically think like, oh, they're a violent person or, mm-hmm. or like, oh, they're so sick or, oh, they'll never be anything. So I was almost like stigmatizing it myself, but really when I was diagnosed with schizophrenia, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because then I was being treated for the correct illness. Mm, I so nobody, see. Nobody should be upset about getting diagnosed with the correct illness because then you can get better. You know, why lie, 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 lie and be treated for the wrong illness? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Do you feel like you were like lying in therapy or uh, to your psychiatrist? Is that part of the reason why? Because Um, of the stigma or? I pretty much just went there to get medicine. It was kind of like the same questions all the time. Like, blah, 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 blah. Okay, here's your prescription. Okay, fine, bye. Oh, so what made you know that you needed a different psychiatrist? Well, I didn't have one anymore, so I had to get a new one in the first place. And this dude was just like more blunt because like I didn't go to, I went to college upstate, so nobody's going to act like that, but this is New York City. So he was pretty much like, like, you know, you came here, I'm doing the the regular routine. You have to answer my questions. And I was like, why do I have to answer all these questions? He's like, no, you have to answer the questions. Do you know how much you're paying for this appointment right now? Answer the Mm. questions. And I was like, okay, geez. <laughs> but like it worked, right? You know, I'm, I work with a person, I work well with somebody who's just going to like, you know, tell like it is not someone who's like, mm-hmm. so how are you feeling? Yeah. Doesn't work for me. It, yeah. It definitely is what works best for the individual. Some people yeah. n- need more tough love in their lives and some people need more compassion and empathy in their lives. So it's just, it depends. And I think a lot of that also is dependent on how we were raised and what we're missing right in our lives right now um how were you raised <laughs> let's 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 yeah speaking of how were you raised as far as um did your mom you know suspect that that there's something up with you first of all actually i don't think we ever got to the answer of the, the my first question which is when did you first start noticing you said that it was be, with your mom but how old were you when oh, that happened high school High school school age. Okay. Okay. That's when like things started coming up that were like, what's going on? Things like that. Like, for example, like, like ninth grade English class, I was scared to write essays, Mm -hmm. not just because I didn't think I was a good writer, but I thought my teacher would then be able to tell what's going on in my head. Mm. Because I was like, writing tells so much about you. 
and neither she's I think she's gonna think I'm an idiot she's gonna think I'm so stupid because I can't do this and then she's gonna know what I'm like because she's gonna be able to tell my personality I can't do this at all okay so ninth grade that's probably like what 13 14 years old something like that right okay okay um because again you know for those people out there who don't know um there's interestingly enough there's more diagnosis of schizophrenia with men than there are with women um again a topic perhaps for a future episode but um to so Anyway, going back to, to ninth grade, that's also a little bit earlier than when people are usually diagnosed. I, I believe the usual age, I think, um, uh, just going back in my brain, I think is 17 to 24, right? Is the usually the time that people for, get diagnosed and it's usually with men. So that's, um, or when they, sorry, when they first develop the onset of symptoms, not when they first get diagnosed, when they first develop the onset of symptoms. So that's actually a little bit earlier than what is usual. Um, with schizophrenia so being in ninth grade and thinking these thoughts did you express it to anyone did you tell your mom or your teacher or did you I didn't I didn't tell anyone I was way too paranoid what do you mean and I didn't I didn't know that I was paranoid I just thought these people are trying to hurt me so I'm Got not going to talk to them I see I see so did your mom know any of this no she just knew something was up why wasn't I doing my homework oh Okay, interesting. And did she try to get you help or uh, have you see someone? Yeah, she tried to get me a lot of help, but I declined all of it because I believed that everybody was trying to hurt me. Okay. I thought they were all just trying to get into my head and somehow they were just trying to hurt me all the, and nothing is logical. Everything I thought was completely illogical, but I thought it all made sense at the time. Right, right, of course. So looking back now, let's, uh, if, a, if you were to meet a parent who is struggling with this, right, or, or someone that, you know, was experiencing the same thing as you, um, I'm sure a lot of people who go through these experiences might experience the stigma and the paranoia that prevents them from speaking out about it. So let's say you're talking to a parent where they have a child that they're concerned about, and the child might be going through, you know, these thoughts of paranoia what would you say to them like do you have any advice or suggestions like how would you have liked it to be handled the thing is like that's just one of the hardest questions to answer because when you're dealing with somebody who's so paranoid how can you try to help them without them feeling more paranoid right it's kind of just like you have to try to get on their side and let them know that you're not trying to hurt them and that you're on their side but that's still really not an easy thing to do maybe just let them live their life. And if it doesn't go well, it's right back at them. You know, you can't just like be a helicopter parent and be on top of them all the time. But like me, I declined all help and realized it for myself. Mm-hmm. So, and you just, you can't just, you know, just force things upon people. Right. You know, it's really right. hard. It's not the easiest thing. And it's like one of the hardest questions to answer. And if I knew the answer, I'd be a very, very rich person. But- <laughs> yeah, no, good point. Good point. I mean, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, how, how would you, like when things like that happen to you, when you start to get paranoid, how, how do you prefer people talk to you? Or do you prefer them just leave you alone and, you know, you'll figure it out for yourself? Just, uh, I prefer to just be alone, but I think if somebody's younger, you know, you could try to talk to maybe their friends and see what their friends say, if their friends are noticing anything, or if maybe you can try to get their, a friend to talk to them, maybe that would work best. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Say they trust their friends, but then a lot of kids don't trust their parents, but if it's a friend reaching out, that could mm-hmm. also help. 
Okay, good to know. Good to know for everyone out there, people that might be experiencing this for sure. Um, speaking of friends and your support network <laughs> and your friends for many years, um, which is awesome. You know, there's so so much. Uh, it's just so great to have like good quality friends. You know, and um, I think just people in general struggle with uh, finding, you know, a really good group of friends that are just you know there for you and support you and you know have a you can build a good support system around. Um, so speaking of uh, when they notice uh, notice these things that you're going through, um, how did they handle it? Like, did they just not say anything or have they in the past? Like, have you experienced like your roommates, like trying to tell you things and you just kind of brush it off? I mean, do they just ignore it? You know, how does it affect their life and 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 yours to be in that environment? I. I think they, you know, they helped if there was bad things going on, if they noticed that anything was up, they would like come into my room, wake me up, what's going on, anything like that. Like now I have roommates that are like, hey, it's the morning, take your meds, have some coffee. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, it's just any support is good. Any help is good. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that I've always had good friends and good roommates to help me through that all. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I feel like a lot of people are like scared, you know, they'd yeah. be scared to say something. They'd be scared to be like, hey, how, you know, like, tell me really like what's going on or scared to have these conversations or scared to tell someone to take their meds, you yeah. know, like they don't want to like trample over them or something. So um, interesting. Good to know. Good to know that that's your experience. Um, is there anything that you want other people to know about schizophrenia or about your experiences? Well, yeah. Uh, well, schizophrenia, a lot of people think that it's, you know, dangerous. It's really not dangerous at all. And that a person with schizophrenia is more likely to be the victim of violence than to actually be the perpetrator of violence. Mm -hmm. As with mental that, health in general. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes. So that's something that people really need to understand because, you know, mm -hmm. in the movie, a lot of movies and everything, the schizophrenic person was like the evil person when really completely untrue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the media really has um, taken that and like warped it, <laughs> made yes. some made, like played on the fear basically of uh, uh, people being schizophrenic. Um, okay, so what are some, um, how are some ways that we might be able to tell if someone is um, schizophrenic? I, I don't really think there's really a way to tell if somebody has schizophrenia. I think in the past you would be like, oh, that person talking to themselves has schizophrenia. But right now you could just be like, oh, that person's on the phone. You know, how can you really tell the difference? So I, I, I don't really think there is a way to tell. I mean, I have my pop-up shop where I sell my merchandise. And when I tell people I have schizophrenia, they're like, oh, really you do? And I'm like, yeah. They're like, well, are you medicated? And I'm like, okay, yeah, none of your business, but yes. But the I don't think there is a way to tell. I think that there's such a spectrum that you can't really always tell. And I don't really think there's really a cookie cutter, you know, succinct way that that people with schizophrenia are really supposed to just act. You can be anybody. Do you think that um, it's important for people to be able to tell and understand, uh, you know, if someone's going through schizophrenia? Or well, do you I think it doesn't really matter? I mean, it, it depends on the situation. Anybody can be going through any type of crisis. And I think you should help anyone in any crisis, no matter what it is. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what do you do when you go around New York and you sell your merchandise? Like you, you mentioned a pop-up booth. What's that look like? Yeah, so um, I, I've done markets before, but right now I usually pop up on uh, 48th and 9th in front of the Fountain House Gallery. I have my pop-up shop and I have my business, Schizophrenic NYC. And I have 
variety of shirts, pillboxes, all kind of stickers and accessories. And I just, I stand there and I, uh, well, usually we have a lot of tourists in New York. We don't really have any tourists these days. So it's right. been a little slow, but I, I, I sell the merch and I, I tell them the story of the business. And, you know, every time I tell someone that I have schizophrenia, somebody's always saying, oh, they have a mental illness. A friend has a mental illness or a family member has a mental illness. So then I just don't understand why there is so much stigma if everybody right. has a connection to it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to just do is just change the narrative. And also like I have shirts like the one I'm wearing that says, I'm mentally ill and I don't kill. Mm-hmm. Like you wear this shirt and you walk around, people are going to start talking. And like the other shirts, don't be paranoid. You look great. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be like, you know, this is like, you know, I'm trying to start the conversation about mental health and it's up to you to continue it. Cause mm-hmm. you wear shirts that say that someone's mm-hmm. going to be like, what is that about? You know, just right. normalizing mental health, normalizing schizophrenia and psychosis. And it's just, you know, let's talk about it. Cause if we don't talk about it, that's how it stays taboo. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So when you do talk about it with all these people, um, you know, who may not know about mental health, obviously, um, who may not be educated in, in these topics, what are some of the common reactions or even some of the more unusual reactions or may, or reactions that might bother you that people, you know, that people respond with? Well, well, some people are, people say like, I hope you're not on those pharma meds, those pharma companies. They're just awful. And I'm like, I just, I just like those people, I just nod. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Cause you never know when a Scientologist is going to walk by. Oh, they love to say that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Or it's actually really fun because every time there's like a therapist or a psychiatrist, psychologist, they always ask me what meds I'm on. They always want to know what meds I'm on all the time, but really they're like, wait, antipsychotic, which one, that one. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> Why do you think they do that? I think they're just curious because they see me acting just fine. So they're like, they want to know maybe oh. for their future patients. I don't really want, I don't know, but yeah. they, it, it's just like, without a doubt, they want, they always ask me that it, it's, it's kind of funny at this point. Cause it's always like, okay, another, another question from another psychologist. Hmm. And then, so that's uh, how you I, can tell that they're psychiatrists, right? <laughs> oh, oh, cause the, the, oh, when they're a psychiatrist, they always, they're like, oh, I'm a psychiatrist. I love this <laughs> all the time. Or when I meet like students that are psych majors, mm-hmm. like, like they are always like, oh, really tell me more. I know you asked like what bad things people say, but I started saying what good things people say. Yeah, no, that's good. It's good. Okay. So you see these as good things. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good to know. Yeah. Asking about what the meds and asking about, about like your actual mental health and supporting it are good things. Yeah. 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 Like the I, I thing is like, I call it schizophrenic NYC and a lot of people have that whole person first language things that it's like a person with schizophrenia, but I go by identity first language. So like one time some lady yelled at me because I was using this language. And what language? I use the, the, um, identity first language and said the word schizophrenic instead of schizophrenia which oh only people without schizophrenia think that's insulting people with schizophrenia don't give anything mm-hmm. who cares mm-hmm. who really cares actually some people might care mm-hmm. but honestly <laughs> right. it's there's so many more problems that we can be dealing with other than mm-hmm. semantics uh-huh. so what, but why like, do you why do you why do you choose to call uh, say schizophrenic instead of schizophrenia I didn't even know that it was insulting for two years until a social worker friend of mine told me that I'm not supposed to say that. So I was like, oh, I've been insulting myself for two years. I didn't realize that. So if it wasn't insulting to me for two years, how could it now be insulting to me that somebody told me it was an insulting word? 
And just for everybody out there, why is it seen as insulting? Because they're supposed to say, you're a person with schizophrenia. You are not mm -hmm. a disease. You're a person that had a disease. And they're like, you don't call a person with cancer cancerous. You say they have cancer. But mm -hmm. really, a person with lung cancer, their lungs are cancerous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So really, even like the autism community, you weren't supposed to say autistic, mm -hmm. but the autism community is now bringing that word back just like the LGBTQ community took the word queer back because that used to be insulting, but now it's not anymore. Mm. So there's mm. a lot of people with schizophrenia taking the word schizophrenic back because it was mm. only like, like moms or whatever made it a, a bad word. It really, it's, it's really just how you say things. A lot of <laughs> words that people say are insulting, but it could be only insulting with the tone of how you say it interesting that's a good point that's a very good point i can see how yeah you don't identify someone with say cancer or schizophrenia as like just that and i can also see what you mean by it's only insulting if you think it's insulting it's only insulting if you see it in a negative way that's probably perhaps why they brought um autistic back is because you know only if you see autism as something super bad right or something really shameful or something to stigmatize right? right would you avoid that word so what you're i see exactly what you're doing you're actually playing on that word by not stigmatizing the word schizophrenic not stigmatizing schizophrenia and saying like hey it's okay this is me i'm choosing to identify with this i am schizophrenic and you're the one making it not okay exactly <laughs> exactly and it's yeah. just a huge argument in the schizophrenia community when really all of that money and everything that they put into this, this debate could be saving people with schizophrenia that don't have healthcare. Right. Why don't you like, like I, I was once talking at a conference with the guy who did a whole marketing campaign on person first language. How much money did they pay for that campaign? That could have gotten healthcare for so many people, but instead they wasted money on a campaign about person first language. It causes stigma. Mm. You're, mm. you're saying that that word is a bad word. It wasn't a bad word until you made it a bad word. Very interesting point. Good point. I love it. I think a lot of people, yeah, have, have, uh, should think about this. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of things are like that. It's not a stigma until you make it a stigma, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I say about mental health too. And that's exactly what I'm doing with the word mental health. Uh, what we at Breaking Taboo is doing with the word mental health. It's kind of like, and I was just writing an article about this recently, like how when you say the word mental health, people are automatically like, oh no, mental health. But when you think about it, who's stigmatizing it? It's just mental health. When you say physical health, people aren't doing that it's the word health and the word mental and we all have it we all have mental health so i'm not stigmatizing it why is the world stigmatizing it why is why are other people stigmatizing it so we purposely use that word in a way that is destigmatizing but it's still the same word it's the same yeah. word it's just based on how you perceive it so i, I can definitely see what you're talking about interesting very interesting. Okay. What are some of the other things um, that the common public usually <laughs> um, uh, react to or react with when you tell them about the, you having schizophrenia? Um, well, I mean, there's always like psych majors asking me a lot of questions, things like that. Um, I'm trying to think. Which doesn't bother you? Does it bother you when people ask oh, you no. a lot of questions? 
No, because they're they're trying to be educated, and that's right. really what my job is. I'm I'm educating the public, so that's mm-hmm. totally fine. I mean, actually, one time these two girls approached me, and they said their mom has schizophrenia. So, mm-hmm. what's it like for her? And I was just kind of like, "Wow, that's a really loaded question." Right. Um, so I tried to answer, but I was kind of like just really taken aback because I was like, "How can I tell these two girls like?" how their mother feels, you know? Right. And why couldn't they ask their mother? Because of the stigma, probably. I think they don't, they didn't live with their mom. And I don't think they really, they they didn't really talk to her that much anymore. I think she was too sick and she was kind of in a home somewhere. Mm -hmm. That's what I understood from that situation. Mm -hmm. But, you you know, you never know who you're going to get. And then you're going to deal with some angry people. And this one guy came up and just like slammed his hands on my uh, table and was like, can you explain this to me? And I was like, well, you know, started by me, a schizophrenic New Yorker. And he's like, oh, so wait, you have schizophrenia? And I was like, yes. And he's like, oh, you're very brave. And then he walked away. What? Interesting. <laughs> like, was he going to yell at me and then decided I, he wasn't going to yell at me and just left? I was like, right. Well, you don't know. Maybe he has schizophrenia. Maybe he knows of someone. Like, maybe, you know, obviously Probably. there's a That's story there. He knew something, but like, he didn't want yeah. to share it with me. He just wanted to try to yell at me and then not yell at me. And like, we could have had a conversation, but I guess you just wanted to scream at me and then decided not to. Okay, dude. Right. You know, lot, is this a joke? You know, what do these mean? What is all this? Why did you make this? Because it's very like, what? When people walk by, they're like, what in the world is this? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to a market or any kind of things, it's like people are selling phone cases or sunglasses. And it's like me with this array. And they're like, what? Mm-hmm. What in the what? What? What is this? This is not jewelry. Like I go to a market and buy some jewelry. What, right. What well, once you explain it to people, like, do you feel like they uh, open up to the idea usually? I, like- I think I think they do. I think they understand and I think they get it. I think they think it's a good idea. Um, mm-hmm. I've had people just be like, I really love this project. I, I, I mean, and they've just been like, here's some money. But I know that sounds like I'm like, like broke or whatever, but it's like, <laughs> I like when people are just like, this is awesome. I love what you're doing. I just want to support you in any way possible. And it's just mm-hmm. like fun. And it's fun to be outside talking to New Yorkers and tourists and you meet mm-hmm. people from all over the world, which is just so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. It's great that you love what you do and you love bringing awareness to this. Um, yeah, I mean, breaking taboo. We've been talking about setting up booths for like the longest time, and we just haven't haven't gotten around to it with all the other stuff that we've been doing. But it's this is like inspiring. It's inspiring to hear from you that you're having a good time doing it, you know, and that it's actually a fun experience, you know. So, um, you know, I'm hoping that my team is listening. <laughs> But you know, COVID does make everything more difficult. It does. Um, it does. Yeah, yeah. I could really use more tourists. You know, there's oh. more tourists. It would be making more money. I, I feel like people probably don't really want to come to America right now because we have some of the highest cases. So I don't blame them. It's like especially New York City right now. Nobody wants to come. Right. Well, maybe you can tell them you can drink on the streets and maybe they'll come. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, so I, okay, so, um, I also wanted to ask you, um, wait, shoot, what did I want to ask you? Um, <laughs> um, shoot, I forget. Well, is there anything that you want to speak to? Is there anything that you, um, uh, just think people would be interested in hearing or that you feel like people should know, you know? 
mental mm. health, schizophrenia, your experiences in general. Oh, I remember what I wanted to ask you. Um, treatment for you when you when you did start seeing this psychiatrist that gave you you know new me- medication and and re-diagnosed you with the correct diagnosis of schizophrenia. Um, what was that like? Like, what was the immediate differences that you saw in the medication? You know, like, um, how did you know that it was the right medication for you or that it was a better medication for you? Because a lot of people, again, with the whole pill shaming too, right? They don't, they don't believe in medication. They don't understand medication. They don't see, they just don't really comprehend um, what it does to your brain and your whole body and like, you know, how it's helpful. So maybe you can help educate people on like how it's helped you and what it actually feels like. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a process of like five years to get the right med treatment, but. Mm -hmm. And it is a process for a lot of people. Yeah. That's what people don't understand. The first one or two meds are probably like you, you have to go through a few to find the one that works best for you. But yeah. yeah. First first I was on stuff for anxiety, then antidepressants, then like an antipsychotic, just things. A lot of it was like trying to work. And I was really having a lot of trouble when I was trying to just work and sit behind a computer. And I kept talking to myself. I can't, couldn't keep focus. And it was just, just by telling him just everything that I was doing, just trying to struggle with working. It was kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, try this, try this, try this, see what works. And eventually getting everything right mm-hmm. was just amazing. And now I can just function, I think the best I could ever function. And I feel the best that I could possibly feel, but it wasn't an easy process. And it was kind of like, you know, try this and that doesn't work. Does this work? Does that not work? It's never easy, but if you actually work Mm -hmm. hard and try hard, Mm -hmm. you can get to where you need to be. Mm -hmm. When I was younger, maybe I would try something, hate it, throw it away. But now Mm -hmm. I know that if maybe this isn't working, that's Mm -hmm. why and try something else and be like, I think I need to go up on this. I'm more educated. I understand myself more now and I can tell if something's not right and if I need to bring it up with my doctor. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. But like how, I guess the question is, how do you know it's not working? You know, like, yeah, basically I can just see if symptoms are popping up. Oh, okay. Symptoms of schizophrenia or. Yeah. Like schizophrenia or like extreme anxiety, or I can't concentrate Mm -hmm. on anything. Just, just like bad side effects too. And things like that. Right. Yeah. yeah, And bad side effects. And then when you know that a medication is working, that goes away and you're just feeling a lot better. You're just feeling like, you know, um, you're feeling good (laughs) for lack of better feeling. Yeah. Feeling good. Feeling like I can, you know, live in the world and not like just die instantly. Oh, wow. Okay. And that's what you feel like when you're not on your meds. Well, like if I, if I waited until five o'clock in the afternoon to take my meds, I, I probably would have gotten nothing done all day. I would have just walked around my apartment talking to myself all day long and maybe have gotten really paranoid about stuff. Probably. That's so I try to take it every morning. Oh yeah. So, so that's how much it affects you. It's like, literally you cannot even miss one dose. Mm-hmm. Mm, wow. And if you just miss one dose, then your symptoms come back. Yes. Interesting. When was the last time your symptoms came back? Like, was there a time where you purposely decided not to take your meds? I know that happens a lot too with people um, that are, you know, taking meds. They go through periods where they don't think they need it anymore, or they just get sick of it, or whatever. And and then, you know, sometimes they get another episode. Has that ever happened to you? Uh, that hasn't happened to me since college. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's good. It's not a good time. It's not a good time when that happens. I was like, oh, I don't need these. And then 
think bad things, bad things. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, but how did you get back on it though? You know, when you're like, oh, I don't need these. Do you know that you need to be back on it at the time? I know that I need to be back on it. And I realized that I feel better when I'm on my bed. So I was like, all right, I feel better when I'm on it. I feel worse when I'm off it. I'm just going to take my meds when I need them because life is better that way. And other people like me better that way. So I'm just going to suck up all my pride and do it. And life got better. So mm. it worked. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder how much of a pride issue it is for a lot of people out there too. And again, because of the taboo, because of stigma. Because of the taboo, because of the yeah. stigma, even though everyone watching this video knows at least three people on meds, I'm sure. Maybe they don't know they're on meds, but they do. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, mental health affects one out of every four uh, people. (laughs) So, and that's just the diagnosed ones. So, you know, exactly. That's just the diagnosed people. How many people are not diagnosed? Yeah. Yeah. Do you see a therapist regularly? Like, do you do talk therapy as well? I don't know. No. Have you ever done that? I've never liked that ever. I don't like, I've never been a fan of talk therapy. Okay, cool. Well, how do you say, um, how would you say like, you know, uh, your life is right now, just, you know, taking your meds and not going through therapy. um, But you've been on your meds for, you know, many years now. It sounds like you're doing great. It sounds like you're living a happy, fulfilling life. Would you say so? Or are there certain aspects that you feel like um, you could still work on because of schizophrenia or, or, do you just, you know, you feel like your life is pretty normal now? I, I think my life is pretty good right now. I'm, I'm loving it. I'm living the dream. I don't know. I'm, I'm chilling. I, I, I don't know what to do to make my life better. Who knows? I could win the lottery. That would make <laughs> anyone happy, but right. I, I think I'm living the best life I could possibly be living right now. That's awesome. Awesome. Good for you. Nice. You have a great support system. Like I said, you know, yeah. what about uh, relationships? Are you in a relationship or have you been in one? Yeah, I'm in a relationship. Okay, cool. Tell me about that. How, how does, I mean, does your partner ever have to um, deal with anything that uh, because of your um, diagnosis or no, is everything pretty much normal and you know, everything's pretty much normal. There's like every morning, take your meds, take your meds, here's coffee, take your meds, just take your meds in the morning, take them, take them, take them, take them every morning, take your meds pretty much. That's awesome. That's really the only thing. That is awesome. You know, that's really inspiring because again, I, and I ask this a lot in, in my podcasts with um, people that do uh, have their own mental health diagnosis. And a lot of times, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that uh, like most people are in happy, fulfilling relationships. And that's one of the stigmas. That's one of the things out there where people think that if, if you're, you have a um, mental health diagnosis, you're unable to have friendships, like you won't be able to have like relationships or, you know, like your marriage is going to be in trouble, your relationship's going to be in trouble, like you won't be able to blah, 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 all this stuff, all this stuff that goes with, you know, your diagnosis. However, you know, that's usually a lot of times that's not the case. And there's people like you and many people that I've spoken to, even in these podcasts where they definitely prove otherwise, they definitely show otherwise, you're absolutely 100% capable of having a happy, fulfilling relationship right and um and just like you said you take your meds and your life is pretty much like you know like great and normal and happy just like any other life you go through the same problems as anybody else 
I feel like, right? And yeah, so I yeah. think that's so inspiring for people out there. So inspiring for people who, um, you know, um, are going through things to, to hear. They really need to hear this. They really need to know that you are capable of having like a full life. Yes, totally, totally, totally. It's, it's, like yeah. I said, a schizophrenia diagnosis is it's not the end of the world. It's the right. best thing that can happen to you because then you can be treated for the correct illness. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about before we wrap up this uh, podcast? I, I think we're good. Just visit schizophrenic.nyc. Check out stuff. Well, with that said, thank you so much for joining in and sharing with thank the world you. your, your story um, and uh, what you do and giving people out there some inspiration. Uh, and yeah, it's been a pleasure having you. I, I enjoyed our conversation and maybe I'll see you out there in New York City sometimes. I mean, I am from the East Coast, so I do go awesome. up there a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll make sure I say hi, <laughs> you know, at your booth. Cool hopefully after COVID. Yeah. But bye. (laughs) Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for watching. Bye.